Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming acquisition of your signal. You are live in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Gardeners of the Galaxy, the podcast for all of the sentient beings in the universe who have a passion for plants. I'm Emma the Space Gardener and I will be your host as we explore gardening on Earth and beyond. When we look forward to long-duration space missions, one of the concerns is that the nutrients in food degrade during storage. With our current food technologies, it's hard to pre-pack food that will nourish astronauts during the return journey from Mars, for example. One solution is for the crew to grow some fresh food, and researchers all over the world are investigating different ways to do that, and we've heard from quite a few of them over the last year. Here on Earth, over the last few years, there has been a trend towards growing microgreens. Microgreens are essentially seedlings, packing a large amount of nutrition into a small amount of plant matter. They're quick and easy to grow and harvest, don't take up much space, and can really pack a punch in the flavour department. For all of those reasons, microgreens sound like they would be ideal crops for astronauts, but as yet, we haven't seen any astronauts giving them a grow. So in today's episode, I'm really pleased that we can hear from Dr. Christina Johnson, who works at NASA's Kennedy Space Centre, and is working towards getting freshly grown microgreens onto the astronaut menu. If you're enjoying the show, please consider signing up as a patron to support my work. Patrons get early access to most shows, special behind-the-scenes fan updates, and exclusive bonus episodes. You can find out more at patreon.com forward slash gardeners of the galaxy. Hi, Christina. Welcome to Gardeners of the Galaxy. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about particularly uh, was something that you posted on Twitter about your almost, you could say, your origin story about about how you came to be interested in space plants and astrobotany, because I think that's really interesting. So can you explain to our listeners how that came about? Well, yeah, sure, I'd love to. So when I was a little girl, Star Trek The Next Generation was just coming out and just airing, and it was so exciting because I had watched the original series with my dad, and and I was like, wow, there's a new one, and and there's going to be a kid in it, and and it's going to be a show that that I can relate to. And, And so I started watching it, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then this one little character popped up, Keiko O'Brien. And she just kind of made this little appearance and she, I just clung to her. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so perfect. She loves plants like me. She's a botanist. There's a word for this. There's a scientist that studies plants. And so she, she runs the Arboretum and she, and they, they introduced her in this just really little way. And I just clung to that. And I developed this whole headcanon around her life and the way she does things and the way she interacts with Beverly uh, Crusher. And so she would, she would go off on these xenobotany expeditions and she would bring back compounds for, for Dr. Crusher to then make uh, medicines out of and put it in the hypospray and heal people. And it was, <laughs> I was like this, teammate. So my sister really loved Beverly Crusher. And so she, whenever we played make-believe, she wanted to be Beverly Crusher. And I was just like, oh, I've, I'm Keiko. I am so Keiko. And um, <laughs> and so I would play make-believe. And sometimes my sister didn't really want to play with me. And it would be like, it's okay. 
it's okay. I'll, I'll just go on my botanical expedition. I'm going to play by myself and have a great time. I'll come back from the garden and, and we'll play a little. Okay. And she was like, yes, yes, go do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it wasn't until later on that I realized like, this is kind of interesting that I, I kind of ran with this. Uh, like I, when I was a, a teenager, people were like, who's Keiko? Like, what was that character? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was so excited when she was, you know, chosen to be on Deep Space Nine, because it's like, I get to see more Keiko. <laughs> was it disappointing that she didn't get to do a lot of botanizing on, on Deep Space Nine then? She did eventually. But actually, what, what was wonderful was that she was this teacher, and she got to interact with these children, and she got to teach them things and and it was really cool seeing a scientist who's you know off in her own little world doing her science coming down and, and interacting with these children and i was really into babysitting when dj9 came out and i was like oh i relate to this and as an adult i, I relate to it even more because i'm a mom and i i moved to houston for my husband's work i i had to finish my phd remotely and i was just like trying to to help my kids learn things. And I just, I really related to Keiko. I ended up getting a job as a teacher in a Montessori school for, for a little while there. And I was, I was amazed at how these little scientists, they were just constantly exploring. And, and it, it made me even like Keiko's character more because I could go back and watch those episodes of Deep Space Nine and be like, oh, she was having a hard time too with the, the parents and the kids were wonderful. And, so that's that's my love for Keiko O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's really cool. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so you may not be in space uh, like Keiko, but you work for NASA and you're doing plant research. So you're as, pretty much as close as it's possible to get at the moment for us here on Earth. And your research at NASA is very interesting because it involves looking at microgreens. So can you tell us, can you explain what exactly is a microgreen? Oh, absolutely. First, I'm going to clarify, I am a postdoc. Okay. In the NASA postdoctoral program, I am not a NASA employee. Okay. But there's a little bit of a clarification of words there. I don't want people to think I'm a NASA civil servant because that's not, that's something I aspire to. <laughs> okay. okay, so microgreens. Yeah. <laughs> microgreens are plants, any crop plant that is edible, at a very young stage of development. We're looking at plants that are between seven and 14 days old, sometimes 20 days old. They're very young. They have their cotyledons that have popped out of their seed coat, and then they have a little bit of their first leaves forming. And that's pretty much where the microgreen stage ends. When they get their leaves further out and bigger, then you get to baby greens. So we're talking about something that's younger than baby greens and older than sprouts <laughs> and um uh and so it's this great little stage of development i look at brassicas mostly i really like the radishes i guess that's in the brassicaceae but it's raffinous yeah. i like radishes i like misuna i like oh broccoli these these plants are really easy to grow they have a lot of nutrition dense nutritional content, but really you can grow lettuce as a microgreen. You can grow cucumber as a microgreen. I don't much <laughs> like the taste of that, but some people love it. You can grow 
popcorn kernels as a microgreen, which I think is really fun too. They, if you grow them in the dark, they taste like really, really, really sweet. And if you okay. grow them in the light, they taste like grass. And it's just such a different flavor. That one's fun. You can also grow peas as like little pea shoots as microgreens. And there's so much variety. You can really have a very complex salad with just a few microgreens. It doesn't take very long to grow them. They're rapid turnaround crop. They are very seed intensive because you have new batch of seeds every time. They don't mature enough to produce their own seeds. So yeah. you need to have some plants on the side that are grown to maturity. But what's really great about the microgreens is you have a whole lot of nutrition packed into this tiny handful of greens. You've got what you would normally get out of a whole head of cabbage for nutrition, you can get out of a handful of microgreens. And wow. that's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very easy for people to eat. And you can get some great flavors. Flavors are more intense in microgreens a lot of the time. So you can have a few little pieces of the wasabi variety of mustard and it tastes like wasabi. Yeah. Uh, basil makes a really delicious microgreen. Oh, I love it. And it tastes like a face full of pesto, you know? <laughs> um, so it's, it's really fun to play around with different combinations of microgreens. Some of them grow really well together. Some of them don't necessarily grow well in the same tray, but you can grow them separately and then put them together. Okay. So you've actually got some sort of companion planting things going on there then as well. I've done a little bit of that where I've got like one row of this next to one row of this. And <laughs> some microgreens have different environmental requirements when growing. Some of them yeah. need dark to germinate, some of them need light to germinate. So you kind of have to think about that. I have like a whole spreadsheet put together with all these requirements so I can mix and match and decide what to put together. Okay. So, I mean, there are lots of reasons there why NASA might be interested in, in growing microgreens for astronauts on the space station, for example. So, I mean, here on Earth, they're relatively simple to grow, I mean, because you don't have to nurture the plant for very long. So what are the challenges of growing them in microgravity? So I've grown them in simulated microgravity Yeah. on um, random positioning machines and clinostats. I have not grown them yet in microgravity, microgravity. I have grown Arabidopsis thaliana, which is a model organism on the space shuttle. Uh, in 2010, our plants went up and they were the same age of development. They were sent up as seeds and they grew to about 14 days old. So I've looked at plants in spaceflight, this stage of development. Those were dark grown. I usually do my microgreens in the light. So putting that out there, the challenges of growing things in space are if you're harvesting microgreens, they could get everywhere. Yeah. You, you really have to think carefully about how you're going to harvest them. When you're growing microgreens, you want to make sure you have a good light source if you're growing them in the light because you want to have good root and shoot separation because the roots tend to have a whole lot of microbes, some of which could be harmful to humans if the wrong microbes get into the mix, right? So you want to make sure that your leaves that you're going to be eating don't have any contaminants on them because you're, you're so close to that substrate, that yeah. soil or whatever you're using as a substrate mat or whatever, where those roots are, there's a lot more chance for contamination. So when you introduce light, phototropism overcomes the gravitropic response. So I'm throwing words out there that not everyone might know, but when you add the light, the shoots grow to the light and the roots grow away from the light in yeah. general. So we'd like to have a little bit of light there so that the plant shoots will grow up toward that light, no matter, you know, which not necessarily up, 
the side or whatever. So when I'm growing things in simulated microgravity, I always have a light really close, like within 10 centimeters yeah. of those plants. And then it moves with the plants, right? Another thing that's really a problem is making sure you get moisture to the roots. It's really bad if the roots get coated in water. The water will be in like a big ball and then it'll kind of shift around and smother whatever it's on. So a really great image is like if you're wringing out a rag, normally here on earth, the water drips down, but on space, if you wring out the rag, it'll coat your fingers and it'll just totally suffocate your hands if you don't wipe it off. Yeah. So think about how that would impact the roots. You have the roots growing and they can run into areas where there's no water at all, or where there's only air and that's okay. They need to breathe too. They need to respire but then they also need to be able to access that water. And usually here on earth, they're able to access the water and the air at the same time. So what you end up with is hypoxia, root zone hypoxia is really common. And so we need to be careful that that root zone hypoxia is not an issue. So getting that water to the plants and getting water delivered to the plants in a way that allows them to also access air when they need air is, is a challenge. And that's one reason why I like growing things on mats instead of in soil, because it's a lot easier to control the water flow and then the airflow through those mats. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And growing them in simulated microgravity, the plants are always moving around in the simulated microgravity. And the water moves around a lot too. And you have to make sure that there isn't any sloshing in yeah. the system as the plants taking up that water um, so there's ways that we um, reduce that sloshing by kind of like what you have with the tanker truck. Um, they have like bevels inside to make sure that the fluids don't bounce around and, and cause problems with the, the turning. Yeah. So we, we ended up adding bevels to hydroponic systems that are growing on the, the clinostats. I'm so grateful that I'm here at Kennedy Space Center where I get to work with a team of engineers that takes my ideas and, and is like, okay, let's build it and let's make sure it works because it, it's like we're working as a team I, I come up with this one idea and i'm like there's no way i can do this and and they're like oh i can do that no problem <laughs> let's do this and, and it's like uh okay and then i've got like this amazing device to to do my experience with you know within a year we've got this wonderful thing that we've created together and um it's really fun to yeah. to be in that environment as a postdoc okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I mean, we've seen on on space station, we've seen lots of leafy crops growing in veggie, and we've got peppers growing in the advanced plant habitat at the moment. Oh, we saw radishes in the advanced plant habitat last year. Are there any plans at the moment to send your microgreens into space? Is there a timeline for this? Are you allowed to That's say? That's a really great question. <laughs> <laughs> there is a hope. There is not a timeline yet. Yep. So... There are steps that we have to take to prepare any crop for space flight. And we are currently with microgreens, we're at a fairly low crop readiness level um, and technology readiness level for the hardware that would be with it. And so what I'm here doing as a postdoc is getting that readiness level lifted up higher. So I'm doing experiments that will help us to get that a little bit higher. This fall, Dr. Lucy Poulet and I will be doing a series of parabolic flights, practicing the harvesting methods for, for 
microgreens. So parabolic flights, you're, you've got little periods of simulated microgravity, 15 seconds at a time, really fast. <laughs> and, and we have to, during that time frame, harvest everything and make sure that we don't lose any of the greens. And so we have a few different harvesting techniques that we've developed as a team that we're going to be to be doing. So this is like Lucy Poulet, uh, Joya Massa, Jacob Torres, and me, and Larry Koss. And yeah, there's there's a few of us who've been just brainstorming ideas yeah. and working together on this. So I'm really looking forward to this series of parabolic flights because that's just another step. Whenever we talk about crops with the engineers, they're always like, oh yeah, lettuce is really easy to harvest, no big deal. What are you going to do when like a tiny microgreen is floating off we're going to have FOD, you know, we're <laughs> foreign object debris. It's going to be everywhere when we're harvesting these microgreens. So we've come up with a few different ways to handle them and to, to keep them safe. And so we'll be testing those out. This I now have a vision of you floating around a plane cabin with like a butterfly net or something, <laughs> <laughs> capturing well, lost we're microgreens. We're putting the butterfly net on oh. the thing we're growing them on. Right? Oh, of course, that would make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing i mean i'm gonna to want to see some pictures of that that would be brilliant <laughs> maybe you can come back and tell us what that was like okay i mean you you talk about crop readiness levels and i know that for veggie there's a lot of effort that goes into picking the specific varieties not even the species of plants that you're going to grow but actually the specific varieties that are going to do well on the space station so are you doing that as well for the microgreens Absolutely. I've been working with the Growing Beyond Earth program at the Fairchild Botanic Garden that gets the plants out to uh, high schools and junior highs all across the U.S., especially in the state of Florida, too. Um, so I've been working with their biotech high students on different microgreen growing methods and different species of microgreens. And it's been really fun to, to work with them. Uh, they're wonderful people. So, yes, we've been working on that. The, the choice for exactly what species and variety we're going to be using it hasn't been made yet no. for the parabolic flights we are doing daikon radish which uh -huh. has fairly large leaves compared with a lot of other microgreens so that was lucy police choice and i i love it it's such a good choice it has a lot of flavor it grows very quickly and it has nice big leaves so it'll be a good thing to practice on if we chose clover for the parabolic flight it would be a lot harder to work with because they're tiny <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested that you say clover because it's not a plant that most people would think of as, as edible i know there are foragers who use it for Ooh. sort of tea or something like that but i've never heard of it being used as a microgreen Oh yeah, uh, clover is a, a microgreen as well. Uh, you don't want to eat too much of it. You got to be careful. Also, um, alfalfa is a microgreen, and there's some microgreens you can eat as much of it as you want. And there's others that are like, okay, you got to be careful not to eat too much because yeah. then there are issues. Pepper and tomato is a microgreen. It'll give you gastrointestinal distress. Don't ever try it. Yeah, I asked the you know the nutritional content is very much sort of you know compressed into this tiny little plant but that means any of its sort of anti-nutritional com compounds are also very much compressed into the tiny little plant so exactly <laughs> yes for instance buckwheat is a wonderful microgreen that people love but if you have too much of it you end up with photosensitivity and uh, blisters on your skin if you oh. go out in the sunshine oh. okay so yeah so <laughs> not that that would be a problem for the astronauts <laughs> no <laughs> But okay. we're talking huge amounts. Like you'd have to have it yeah. for every breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like a giant plate full of it. Like, but you just know that somebody will eventually do that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
There's always one. They're so good. Another thing I've been doing is there's this other group outreach group that I've been working with for the last year. So um, the Astrobotany International Research Initiative was started by a teacher out in Japan who really wanted to get space plants in the hands of more students. And so it's uh, he reached out to Richard Barker at the Gilroy Lab in um, Madison, Wisconsin, and then also me at Kennedy Space Center, as well as a couple of other scientists at NASA. Let's see, there was Emily Helton, who's involved in education outreach at the Katherine Johnson Independent Verification Validation Facility, which is out in the DC area. Yeah. So all of us are uh, working together to bring microgreens specifically to classrooms, looking at them with different lighting conditions, looking at them with there's some like 3D printable kinestats that, that Richard Barker has worked out that are available for classrooms. And so we're, we're using those to develop curriculum around it. Uh, we've been working on it for the last two years-ish and just launched the website and, and released the first uh, microgreen growing challenge uh, in the last week. So it's really coming together. It's exciting to see the pieces fall into place. The cool thing about Irie is the data collection and image analysis. There's an app that you use to take pictures of the plants and like a, a lab notebook, and it then shares that with the rest of the group. So we tested this kind of uh, software out with the Spatially Grow Pepper Plant Challenge, and it worked out really well, uh, worked out some kinks, and now we're applying it to this microgreen growing curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, how very exciting. I love it when space yeah. plants make it into schools. That's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's really great because Gil reached out to the, the folks at Growing Beyond Earth as well, and also Gene Lab for High School, and we're, we're kind of working together on all of these things to consolidate the data from all these different outreach programs and, and to help it be more accessible for the scientists who are looking at it. Fabulous. That sounds really brilliant. <laughs> right. Okay. So we've talked a lot about your work and microgreens and how brilliant they are and, and, you know, when we might be able to send them into space. On a more personal level, if you were going into space, if you were joining a community in space, maybe in, you know, on the space station or on, on Mars or on the moon, wherever you'd like to go, and you could take one plant with you, your microgreens are already there, as many as you want. But if you could take a personal plant with you, what would you choose and why? So I can take any personal plant with me. Yes. Any extraterrestrial environment that I want. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be hard to choose just one. <laughs> it is. I would choose a peach tree. Oh, lovely. Because I love fresh peaches. They're nowhere near as good when you buy them at the store. No. Pulling them off the tree, eating them fresh, absolutely the best. Extra dwarf that fruits right away. I would love to have a little tiny miniature peach tree. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, they have lovely blossom as well, so you get a side benefit there. They're lovely, yeah. And the, and they smell good. I love the smell of orange trees. I love this and the orange blossoms. I love the smell of peaches. Pears, I do not like the smell of when they're blooming. I love the taste, and I love the, the crunchiness of pears and the mushiness of the older pears. But the smell of the blossoms when they're blooming, I wouldn't want to be trapped in a confined space with them. No, that would be awesome. Yes, I can definitely go with a peach tree. That would be lovely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that would be a great addition. I think everybody would be coming past and, and trying to steal your peaches, though. So you might have to, yeah. Oh, that have would be security. terrible. <laughs> 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 
Okay, well, it has been really fabulous having you on the show to hear about your research, which is very exciting. And, and, and maybe one day you'll come back and tell us about your zero-G experiments harvesting microgreens, because that sounds like that's going to be a complete blast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just thank you for, for sharing that with us. It's been brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. I'm Emma the Space Gardener and you're listening to Gardeners of the Galaxy. Thanks again to Christina for coming on the show and telling us about her work. Hopefully we'll see astronauts chowing down on micrograins in the not-too-distant future. That's it for this episode. The next show launches in two weeks, but don't forget you can sign up for the Gardeners of the Galaxy newsletter so that you don't miss out on your Astrobotany update next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We're confirming termination of your signal. The Grand Control team would like you to rerun the radish cropping experiment. Apparently there was a bit of a mix-up with the samples you sent down and the technicians had them for lunch. They did say to tell you they were very tasty. Mission Control.